0: Well, today I'm excited because I've been waiting since about 2019 uh, to teach on this subject. And uh, in the past probably six months, it's hard to to talk about it because the Lord has really been teaching me uh, about his goodness. So I want to start a new series today on the goodness of God. It's very important that you understand this concept in the Bible. Because you have to know, first of all, that God is good all the time. Okay? You have to understand, and we're going to start today talking about a big, big thing that people don't even think is a thing, but it's a massive thing. And that is, you have to know, you have to know the difference between good and evil. And I know that sounds silly. But the Bible is very clear that if you have not been a doer of the word and you have not exercised your senses to discern good from evil, you won't be able to tell. And we live in a church environment. In the church right now, many of our brothers and sisters don't know that God is good all the time. They don't, they they think that God is doing things or allowing things in their life that are very bad to, to teach them. And the Bible, we're gonna go to the word of God today and find out that is not who God is, right? I mean, one prominent Christian author, if I said her name, you would all know her name, actually, actually said in an interview that she believes that God uses Satan like a dog on a leash to, to, for his pleasure, for his purpose, In teaching his kids and God never uses evil to produce good the Bible says everything produces after its own kind right God doesn't Jesus even said this every kingdom divided against itself will not be able to stand so God is not going to use Satan for things so it's so important that you go into 2024 what this series is going to do is it's going to really show you how good God is. We're going to talk about actually what the Bible says about his goodness, right? Because the, the Bible says this over and over again, for the Lord is good because his mercy endures forever. Amen. You know, there's a principle in the Bible, if you ever mess up and come to him and you need mercy, the principle is if you need it and you're asking for it, you'll always get it. Isn't that, now, for those of you who've maybe been like me and really made some messes in your life, eyes wide open, born again, know the word says this, decided to do this, and it all blows up in your face, isn't it good to know that you could run to your God because he's a God of mercy, right? So let's get into this. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 5 in verse 20, and we're going to launch off on this. Be excited about this. If not, just be happy for me. I'm excited about this you must know good from evil now now I know that sounds silly on the surface but think about how many believers that you have met or know that will say you know I'm so glad that God allowed this sickness into my life right I'm thinking of a man who I was talking to one time and he just was on fire for the Lord And he goes you know I'm just so grateful that God allowed uh, allowed prostate cancer in my life because it's really, it drew me closer to him, right? And, and, and that, that, God didn't use prostate cancer to draw him closer. God was always trying through his word to draw him closer, right? Now, here's the thing. If you're in the middle of something, God will meet you right there and he will turn it Right? And and you'll you could come out victorious and and, and be more aware of him and all this, but he didn't bring it that way. See, God is sovereign. He is sovereign. That means he has sovereign authority. He set this deal up the way he wanted to, right? Which is love and life. And here's rule number one of sovereignty: your will trumps his will in your life so it's not about it like like faith it's not about what god can do it's about what you can believe right sovereignty is listen yes he's sovereign but your will will trump his will you could walk by sight you could walk in the flesh you could not be planted in a church you could never read the bible you can go out and do whatever you want he's going to prompt you not to because he doesn't want you to experience death, but your will will trump his will. Like it is God's will that everybody be saved. Everybody. God said that. He spoke that. That is his unchanging will. Yet, in the last, since this service has started, right, about 40 minutes of this service, there have been people all over the planet that have died and are now in hell. And it was never his will. Their whole life, he would have been working on that, right? So why do we have all these problems in the world? It's because of man's choices, right? But here's the thing that you need to know, Christian. If you will jump and become a person of the word of God, all this nonsense that other people are deciding in the world cannot affect you, right? That actually, we as the church, if we will humble ourselves, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways he will hear from heaven he will come and he'll heal our land right i mean if we'll just line up with him so let's talk about this isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says this it says woe unto them that call evil good boy are we living right in the middle of that one right And good evil, or woe unto them that call good evil, and woe unto them that call evil good, okay? That put darkness for light, have you seen any of that, right? And light for darkness, have you seen any of that? Yeah, there's a lot of people talking about how I'm light, but they're really darkness, right? That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil! So now you're in verse 20. If you go down the same thought, but look at verse 13 in Isaiah 5:13, it says, "Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge, and there are and their honorable men." Are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. They're gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. You have to have knowledge to know good from evil. This word captivity means to be exposed and then taken into exile. Satan wants to expose you so that he could take you into exile, right? What is, how does he do that? He separates you from faith. He gets you to get your eyes off his word and off him and on your circumstances. So now you're exposed. What do I mean by that? The armor of God is not endued upon you now. Right? The armor of God, revelation knowledge of the word of God. If, you're not, if you don't meditate in his word then what happens is you're exposed and every time you're exposed, you're taken into captivity. Well, why? Because you have no knowledge. So the answer to that is, guess what? If you just make a decision and put the word of God first and meditate in it, the Holy Spirit, who knows the word, who knows everything, who is your guide, he's your teacher, will literally help you to walk to where you are endued Right, with the armor of God, so that you're never exposed and then you'll never be taken into captivity. Right? It says here, because they have no knowledge. This is the, or the Hebrew word, derat. It literally means discernment. In other words, it's knowledge revealed by the Holy Spirit. Remember, you do not learn this. You can read it, you can memorize it, but what has to happen in order for it to affect your life, change the way you think, renovate your thinking, transforming your life, you have to discern this. You have to see it, and the only way to see it is if the Holy Spirit on the inside of you opens it up to you, and he wants to do that, But and you're you're going to be the the final decision maker on that are you going to put the word of god first so this word knowledge revealed by the holy spirit if you look at uh you know actually carl put this up there just real quick and then we'll come back to this isaiah 11 verse 2 so this word durat occurs 91 times in the old testament all right it in uh, i'm sorry in the old testament it it Out of the 91 times, 40 times are in the book of Proverbs, always associated with wisdom. So look at what this says, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. This is talking about Jesus, right? The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of knowledge, Derot. Notice it's a spirit word, right? So this is talking about revelation knowledge of the word. My people are exposed and they're taken into exile, into captivity, because they are not walking in revelation knowledge. That is how you would read Isaiah 5.13 under the light of New Testament truth, Okay? So now jump over, jump over to Hosea chapter 4 in verse 6, because it says something else about a lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, it says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The same word, derat, right? Revealed revelation knowledge, discernment, knowledge of the word of God that causes you to see something. My people are destroyed. Now, this word destroyed, is it, it gives a bigger picture. Remember Isaiah, you're exposed and you're taken into exile or captivity. This one in Hosea is saying you're destroyed. Look at what this word means. It literally means you are silenced and then you're cut off from the covenant that is yours. Wow. You're, this this word gives us a picture of somebody being silenced so they are cut off and they can no longer take advantage of their covenant because of a lack of revelation knowledge so why does the word of god you have to have your life submitted to the word it's not enough for it to dawn on your on your mind it's got to dawn on your spirit so that now revelation knowledge could come out of your spirit and renew your thinking Okay? So that you can see things as they really are, not as they seem. Because if you if you are facing an, an unlawful spiritual attack against your physical body, you know, as that as that sickness or as that disease progresses, you may not feel good. There might be pain, your body might be going backwards. You could begin to think that you're sick. And you need to be healed. And that thought process, there's no faith there. Because there's no scriptures that says God will heal you. For a New Testament believer, it's very clear. There's a whole bunch of them that says God already has. So, so there's a lot of people in word of faith circles that are going to go home early because they're like, you know what, I'm just waiting for God to heal me. No, you need revelation knowledge of his word because if you're believing God that I'm sick and now, no, your body is sick, but you, have, you are already healed. Healing has already been provided for you. Jesus bore what's in your body right now. He bore it 2,000 years ago. So now it's just a matter of you grabbing hold of it and going, wait a minute, no, nope. this is mine, I have it now. So I'm declaring, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that I'm healed. Now body, you come in line with the word of God, sickness, disease, you let go of my body, I'm not moving, you're moving. And I'm going to walk around all day thanking him. Father, I thank you that your healing power is driving out all sickness and disease from my body. It's driving out whatever I'm facing because I am healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? So what is that? I can't, I can't fake that. But if, I, if I'm not walking in revelation knowledge of that, it can get really hard. And this is what, this is what will help you it says in both of these verses Isaiah five thirteen. therefore my people it says in Hosea my people again we get everything together yeah. so this is why you got to be planted in a place where every time you go to church you are smacked right in the spirit with the Word of God, with revelation knowledge, so that wisdom could now come out of that and you could know, wait a minute, I'm going to see this for what it is. Poverty and lack, you have no place in my life. Right? I'm getting older, but I'm not decreasing, I'm increasing. Right? My mind is not getting weaker as I get older, it's getting stronger. Right? So as I get older... Romans eight eleven, the Holy Spirit with the same power that he raised Jesus from the dead with, he's quickening my brain. And my mind is growing greater and greater in the knowledge of God, so my mind is getting sharper. So now my brain is healed, the physical organ that my mind works through. Do you see that? People think people work their whole life so that they could get to the point to retirement. Guys, you may retire from what you're doing, but we got to get a military mindset. You are not employed as a Christian. There's not one person that's a child of God on this planet. I don't care if you work for a company, if you have your own business, you are not employed. If you think you are, you're going to miss everything. You are deployed. Any military people in here, you're deployed, right? Dr. Kirshner, you know that. You were deployed to the Middle East. I couldn't drag him to Babylon right now. He said, I will never go. He showed me a picture of it, right? Not interested, been there before, right? Well, he, he wasn't employed by the military. He was deployed. You are deployed in what you're doing. We we've got to get this mindset, this revelation knowledge, because I don't ever want to be exposed, taken into captivity, and I don't ever want to be silenced. If, if Satan could shut your mouth to speaking the word of God, he's got you. You cannot take advantage of your covenant if you don't talk, Amen. Amen. right? So you got to know God is good all the time. He's ready to heal. He's ready to deliver. He's ready to perform everything He's already done for you in your life. Oh, this is is dawning on us. Let's see another scripture in the New Testament that talks about revelation knowledge. Go to John chapter eight. John chapter eight, verse 31. You've probably heard me say this a couple times. John 8, 31, it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, this means if you remain, if you abide, and if you endure in my word, then are you my disciples. See, we got believers, but what God's after is disciples. Because believers, you could be a believer and get beat up your whole life Satan stealing, killing, and destroying. When you have all the authority, now you'll have a wonderful life in heaven, except you're going to miss the plan of God here, which is very important. The judgment seat of Christ won't be any fun for you, right? But we don't want that. And here's the cool thing. You could have been doing your own deal, living your own way. You could make a decision today and, and on that day, which is coming very soon, listen, when the rapture of the church happens, which can happen anytime, time, from 2021, in my opinion, to about 26, is very possible. But when we see Jesus, we're going to hear a trumpet. According to Pastor Mark, we're going to hear a saxophone, right? <laughs> I got to tell you, that big animal with that shofar, that horn is massive he's probably walking around somewhere in heaven and that thing is getting loose it's about ready to fall off because it's built for an angel and that trumpet's going to say come up here and when when we leave this planet in a twinkling of an eye the first thing we're going to do is stand before our lord and and he's going to have his reward in his hand we will be at the bema seat the judgment seat of christ it is to be a reward ceremony it's not to be a negative thing, but the Bible says don't be as those that shrink back. Because the minute you step out of your body, you're going to go, oh. have, you ever, have you ever just really been messing up? You kind of, kind of, you have inner turmoil, but you kind of push it down. But then all of a sudden, one day you realize, and you're like, "Oh," and, and you're almost like, I, I can't even believe I did that. That is just so not me. And if you listen down on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit will go, yes, you're right. That's not you. So let's let's confess that and forget about it and let's go on, right? But we want to stand before the Lord and we want to just be excited. We want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Here's your victor's crown. We want that. Well, how are we going to do that? You got to continue in the word of God. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And it says this, and then you will know, know the truth. What is the truth? John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. This is truth. Right? Then you will know the truth. Know. This Greek word means to perceive and to discern. You will see the truth. And the truth shall make you free. See, the truth doesn't set you free. If you're set free, you could be bound again. The truth will make you free so that you can never be bound again. God wants you to realize, I mean, in verse 36, it goes on and says, whoever the Son hath made free is free, right? See, here's the thing. When you talk about the word of God, you only know what you live, okay? It is, I'm sorry, it is the truth that you know that will make you free. In other words, this is very important. It's the truth that you know. So right now, all of us, 24-7, every moment of our life, we are invited to know the truth and continue in it. Right? What is the truth? It is the word of God. What is another way to say that? The truth is the person of Jesus Christ. And he wants to know, he wants you to know him. He already knows you. His knowledge of you will not increase, right? He knows everything. He's in every day of your life, but he wants you to know him. And he wants you to know the fact that he is always good. That he's always a healer. That he's always a deliverer. That if you mess up, he's always a God of mercy. Amen. Right? That, that it's never too late. He is the God that even when you do your own thing and, you, and now you're approaching the gates of death, if you call out to him, he will deliver you, heal you, restore you. Yeah, but pastor, man, I just fried my brain. With, with drugs. I fried my liver with alcohol. Doesn't matter. He's good. He's got a new liver for you. Right? He's got a new brain for you. Just, it's amazing. He's the God of all mercy. Right? So the progression of living in the truth from this scripture is you put God first by being a doer of his word. God reveals himself to you And then you progress in life. It's how you walk it out. You don't progress in life until he reveals himself. So now let's go a little deeper with this. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. We're going to say some things and we're going to go some... The Lord, the Lord is already really impressed upon me. We're going to, he's going to say some things and we're going to go some places that he takes us in this that are going to be glorious. And everything is going to make you just go, man, I can trust him. Everything he said, he'll do in my life. If you want to be... If you want to be a poet, whether you know it or not, right? In 2024... God has so much more for you. And he wants you to walk in it. Right? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine. That word doctrine means it's profitable because it instructs us. It's profitable for reproof. This word means it's profitable to us because it brings a conviction. It tells us of a fault that we are now walking in. It shows us, in other words, where we are missing it. The word of God is profitable because it instructs us and it will show you where you're missing it. Because sometimes you don't know you're missing it, right? Let me just say something. Today, every one of us, starting with me, is probably missing it in an area that we haven't seen yet. But as we get into the Word, the Word will show us where we're missing it. That's what this is saying, the Word will show us. Husbands, not our wives, right? Church, not your pastor. It's not my job to show you where you're missing it. It's my job to equip you with the word of God. The word of God will show you where you're missing it, right? So many pastors get so depleted because they're just so frustrated with because people of what they're doing. And it's like, why are you looking at people? And to answer that question is, oh, yeah, I know why, Pastor, Mr. Holy Man, or woman. Because you've got to look at other people so you don't see all the junk you're doing right no no god wants you to be free he just wants you to he wants you to know that he's good his mercy endures forever he loves you he's for you he'll never leave you he'll never forsake you so you no longer have to put on any facade with him right all scripture is given by inspiration of god it's profitable because it instructs us it tells us where we're missing it and it's profitable for correction This word correction means a straightening up again. It shows us, in other words, what to do to straighten up. So God's word will instruct us, it will show us where we're missing it, and then it will tell us how to straighten up. The word does that. Why in the world would God need to use circumstances? Because his word does everything right? And it's also uh, profitable for instructing us in righteousness. Well, we've been made righteous, but now we need to learn how to walk righteous, right? So we need to realize the fruit of the fact that what, what I will grow as a righteous child of God will be peace. It'll be a quiet assurance forever. I don't ever have to worry or be stressed out. And the word of God will instruct me how to walk in righteousness. Why does it do that? Verse 17, so that the man, male and female, of God may be perfect. May be perfect. Not This word doesn't mean flawless. It literally means fresh. Man, I'm telling you, walking with God is so fresh. It makes everything in my life fresh. Pastoring this church. I mean, we're going to enter our 17th year. It's, 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 I'm more excited today than day one. You know that. You've been around me, right? I mean, it's just, because why? The word keeps you fresh. And this word also means complete. It will show you that you're complete in him. You might not be completely developed, but that's okay. You're complete. And another thing the word will do, it'll show you and it'll mature you. This word means mature. That the man of God may be perfect, fresh, complete, and mature, thoroughly furnished. This word furnished means thoroughly equipped unto all what kind of works? Good works. We are to be imitators of God. Our God is always good. The Bible says he is good and does good. And then he says, now I want you to imitate me, I want you to do good, but my word is going to equip you to do good. Right? Why do people come come and and they never really do anything for God? Because they're bad people? No, they're just up to here with life. It's really easy to be up to here with life. Have you noticed that in 2023? But if the word is in abundance in you, you will be prompted to be kingdom-minded. And the minute you get to where you step and go, the primary focus of my life is the kingdom of God. I'm focused. There are people in our church that, are, that love this church so much and that they give themselves here because they want to see the kingdom go forward. And what's amazing is these are the people that are in their life outside of the church that are doing it as well, right? And it's life. So God uses his word and the Holy Spirit, who is the one who opens the word to us, to train us, to discipline us. And when I say discipline, I don't mean punish, right? In our society, we punish criminals, even though they call it the Department of Corrections, right? There's not a lot of correcting going on, right? I'm, I'm so grateful in Omaha we have, you know, we have a ministry, a jail ministry, a prison ministry that I think it's, uh, the statistic, I heard it years ago, something like 80% of people that come out of our county jail system don't ever go back if they are in this God mod because they're hearing the word of God. But we, we, we tend to punish criminals, but we correct our children. We don't punish our children. Don't ever tell your kids you're punishing them. No, no, we're correcting you. I don't even want to do this, but this behavior that you're doing right now, I, I don't want this to affect you in a wrong way. Right, parents? Now, at, at the time, you just want to go, you're driving me nuts. We, no, it's not about you, parent. It's about you have this little clean slate that you are setting up and preparing for life. So you want to correct them. Well, how does God do that? He does that with his word, right? So let's talk about this a little bit. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to look at verse 6. We're going to start in verse 6. We'll go on a little bit. It says, For whom the Lord loves... He chastens. Ouch. Well, let's look at what that word means. Okay? It means he trains us. He instructs us. He teaches us. He educates us. And he corrects us or disciplines us. This word chasten means to train, instruct, teach, teach, educate, and lastly, discipline, right? For whom the Lord loves, guess how many of us he loves in this place, watching online, every one of us. So you are gonna be chastened of the Lord. That means you're gonna be trained, you're gonna be instructed, you're gonna be taught, you're gonna be educated, and you are gonna be disciplined. You know, when my mom or stepdad disciplined me, that was not fun there's just something about this part of my body that didn't like wood right started out with a little wooden spoon as a kid grew into a switch after we moved out of Chicago I wish we had lived in Chicago the whole time there's no switches all it is is concrete right where I lived. man we moved into this house and it had bushes that <laughs> Things this big around from the ground, like eight feet. I'm like, great, right? But they didn't do it to punish me. They did it to correct me. But look at this. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. You ready? And he scourgeth. I've been scourgeth, (laughs) right? Naturally. Naturally. This means, literally, this, this Greek word means to whip, literally or figuratively, every son, every son whom he receives. So that means every one of us, at one point, are going to probably get the scourging. My mom used to tell me, what is wrong with you? Your dad told you, don't do this. If you do this, this will happen. And you did it. What is wrong with you? Right? I don't know, mom. Right? So here's the thing. Now remember, how does he whip you? How does he scourge you? With his word. With his word. When you read God's word, have you ever had this happen? And it jumps off the page and you just feel like you got whipped because something in your life was just exposed to you. Husbands, have you ever been scourged by the word of God and all of a sudden you didn't see how you were treating your wife, but all of a sudden you just went, oh, wow. Or you didn't see how you were treating your son or daughter, but then you go, oh, wow. Or if you're a son and daughter, you didn't see how you were treating your parents, but then you just went, wow. And it happened through the word, right? That's how, that's how God does these things. Verse seven, let's keep going. Let's leave verse six. Let's just, okay, got it, pastor. Let's get away from the scourging thing, right? But it says here, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. Does he deal with every one of his children as sons? No, only those who choose to endure chastening. So if you don't endure chastening, When God is trying to train you, instruct you, teach you, educate you, and discipline you through the word, if you don't endure that, in other words, how do you endure something? You just receive it as it it really is. This is God trying to correct me, so I'm going to make the adjustment. If you endure it, now God is able to deal with you as with sons, What what does that mean? Let's keep going here. For what son is he whom the father doesn't chasten? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all partakers, then you're bastards and you're not sons. So this is why all of us, I'm telling you, when God steps on your toes or when the word chastens you, it actually, you get to go, you're, you're like, ugh, but that feels good. Because you know He's trying to help you, right? He's trying to get something over. Why is that? Because he is always good. Have you ever, as a parent, disciplined your kids because you were mad? Don't ever do that. My mom would send me to my room. Go to your room because, man, I am so mad at you right now, I can't discipline you. I have prayer meetings in my room. (laughs) Lord, if... You would keep her from giving me that spanking. I will serve you. That's probably why I'm here today, right? (laughs) See, God wants to treat you as a son. Look at this, verse 9. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Now, when I read this, you know, as a pastor, I've dealt with a lot of people that did not, when their their parents corrected them, did not reverence them. Look at this. But God only chastises us for our profit. So parents, discipline your, correct your children Get in a position where you're, you're doing it solely for them and not because you're upset. Because that's how God is. He never, you will never, I've never had, I've never had my Heavenly Father just freak out on me. I mean, thank God, right? He might knock the planet off an axis. Accidentally, we'd all just be dead, right? No, no, he doesn't lose it. He only corrects, For our benefit. Why? Because he is always good. Okay? But he for our profit, why? So that we can partake of his holiness. In other words, he's correcting us for our profit so that we can be like him. That's why he does it. Wow. It says in verse 11, now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. So it can be grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, look at what it yields, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In other words, those that endure it and go out and walk in it. In other words, they make the correction. Do you know why a lot of Christians live in inner turmoil and they don't ever experience the peace of God? They think during worship, they get a little taste of it because of the corporate, but in their own personal lives, they're not submitted to God. Because here's the thing, if you, if you don't want his correction, you don't have to have it. You could literally keep your Bible in this position and never get corrected he corrects you here right do you notice by an act of my will I have to open this up by an act of my will when I come to church when I came to church this morning when I was praying father today I'm coming to church with ears to hear with a willingness to do whatever you say I don't care what my flesh feels about it I'll do it right so when you do that this is how you'll yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness and you could live in a quiet assurance forever. I love that. So, this is why it is so important to rightly divide the Word of God. And this really is why you're not gonna hear a lot of my opinion when I'm preaching because my opinion won't help you, but it's the Word of God. But we've gotta rightly divide it. If uh, the Word of God is not rightly divided, it will be very complicated. Have you ever talked to somebody about the word and after a while you're like going, this is really complicated. It's because it's not rightly divided. If you rightly divide, see the the mere fact of rightly divide, what, what literally what that means is, as I rightly divide the word, which means when I teach the word, it's gotta work Genesis through Revelation. It's got, I've got to have at least two to three scriptures that show me. And in in our teaching, if you'll notice, many times there's a lot more than two to three. But we rightly divide it, and when you rightly divide the word, you read it in context, right? You keep it in a certain way. What will happen is it will create a straight path for others to follow. One guy in our church gave me a compliment when he first started coming to the church years and years ago, and I loved it. He said, man, Pastor, you keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. Easily accessible. Stuff that just seems so complicated. What, you know, and, and to me, that's, Pastor Tony, simple. That's what we want. We want something, we, I, I want you to be sitting here going, there's a straight path. I can apply this to my life and follow this, right? Because that's how God is so you must interpret scripture in the context that it was written you must interpret scripture in the light of other scripture it's got to always work you can't just take cuz there's 800 translations and 18,000 paraphrases that have been written and we don't i don't make a sermon up and look at all of them and go oh wow this paraphrase says exactly what i want that's a nightmare no, we don't, we don't want to say what we want. We want to say what the Word says because it is, the Word is profitable to instruct us, to show me where I'm missing it, to help me straighten up so that I could walk free from this stuff, to teach me how to operate as a righteous child of God. Right? So here's an example of rightly dividing the Word. We must we must find scriptures that tell us that sickness, disease, and tragedy and lack are good in order to teach and say these things are good. Right? I mean, if you could show me scriptures that sickness and disease, tragedy, poverty, lack, if you could show me scriptures that it's good, or that it's, if you could show me scriptures on that, then we could preach it. But if you can't, then you can't say that. If you can't show me a scripture that tells me that sometimes God will heal, but sometimes he won't because he's sovereign. Just show me a scripture. You, if you can't, then shut your mouth. Right? That's why I never forget, don't argue about this stuff. Don't argue with people. Well, that Holy Spirit stuff, I just don't believe in that. Don't argue with that. That's stupidity. Can you show me scripture that that tells me that tongues are not for today? That the baptism of the Holy Spirit's not for today. Oh, you can't? Then shut your mouth. So all you have to do when you're talking to people to stay out of every argument, because I don't argue. I'd rather go find somebody that's hungry. Right? Because you're not gonna tell me the pool's not wet because I'm in the pool. Right? So what do I what do I say? Just ask him, hey, where, where's that in the Bible? And you won't hear scripture. You'll hear about theologian so-and-so, or my pastor said, you know what my pastor said means? It means nothing. But it is written that's not subject to change. Right? So we gotta rightly divide the word. Why are we saying this? Because when we talk about god's goodness you got to know god is good so first timothy go over here first timothy chapter two we're laying a foundation first timothy chapter two we're going to start in verse three just a little bit about god i'm not going to read the whole passage in first timothy But in verse 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. And then it tells us a little bit about God, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. Your Father, your Heavenly Father, the God of of heaven and earth, right? Right? He wants you to have continuous experiences, daily times with him that build upon each other so that you can know that you know that you know that he's always good. He wants you to know that. He wants wants you to trust him with everything, and he will work overtime to convince you that you can trust him, right? Right? So now let's look at another scripture. Now jump back to the Old Testament, go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and let's look at verse 19 and 20. This was actually a real positive thing, because before this, they really didn't have the option. There was just death set before them. But now in Deuteronomy 30, 19, God says to them, I call heaven and earth to record against this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, I've set before you blessing and cursing, and then in case you can't figure out what to choose, because the choice is yours, choose life. God gives us the answer, that both you and your seed may live. You want to help your kids, you want to help your grandkids live for God. Right? Man, I sure want my kids To serve the Lord, they're just not serving the Lord. Oh, I'm not going to church today because we've got a family thing. Yeah, you're preaching to your kids that God is not a big deal. Now, does that sound hard? Yeah. Just tell them, hey, listen, we'll be back at this time and we'll have our family thing, right? I mean, that's because we're preaching. I've seen spouses that it takes years, but eventually the unsaved husband or the unsaved wife finally gets them out of church. And this this wife or this husband that loves their spouse is now almost sealed their fate that they will be eternally in hell because their lifestyle. Yeah, but my husband doesn't want me to go to church. What does that have to do with anything? Honey, like Smith Wigglesworth's wife, Smith, I, I'm sorry that you're upset, but I'm a Christian. I'm going to church. I'll, I'll be back at this time. Thank God she did that because we got, I mean, this guy, literally what he has brought to the body of Christ, the call in his life, he was this rough plumber guy. 20-some confirmed people raised from the dead. I mean, literally people are still being impacted by his, his books and everything, Smith Wigglesworth. I don't really care to meet Smith in heaven. I want to meet his wife. Because Smith got so mad at her one night for going to church that he locked her out of the house. It was, it was cold weather. She had to sleep on the porch. And when he opened the door the next morning, when he got up and got ready, he opens the door. She gets up and says, Smith, what can I make you for breakfast? And it was shortly after that that he got saved and rock, still rocking the world. He's been in heaven forever. It is the life... You carry so much authority, so much life of God, that if you'll put God first, it will affect you. Right? I love that. That you and your seed may live. And look at right after that, it says this. Right after the choice is there. That you may love... Wow. What is choosing life? What is what how did God define when you choose life? That you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice. This is life. This is God is saying this is life. That you may obey his voice, that you may cleave to him. See, if you don't love him, obey his voice, you won't cleave to him. And when you get in a battle, He's not going to be able to do much, for He is your life, the length of your days. What is the length of your days? He is. Oh, I don't have to be concerned about living long on the earth. He is my life, so I will live long and declare the works of the Lord, and sickness and disease won't take me out early. Do you see that? He's your life the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. See, the difference between experiencing the blessing of God or experiencing the curse that you have been redeemed from is disobedience, which stems from a lack of knowledge of the truth. That's all it is. See, you must know, why are we saying this? You've got to know the difference between good and evil so that you can choose life. So why are we talking about all this stuff? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm really so happy in the inside of, I seem intense, I hope you're okay with this. I just, we got to get this and, and I'm preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to a whole bunch of people that are going, Yeah, I am all in on this. Keep, just keep it up, right? It says, This no, 2 Timothy 3 1. This no, no. It's the Greek word genosko. It means to know so intimately that something is being conceived in you and birthed out of you. Revelation knowledge. This know also that in the last days, this this Greek word means last of all days. It literally means the final days or the end of days. Perilous times shall come. So this was not talking about, see, the last days started. The last days, there's going to be two of them. A day with the Lord is like a 1,000 years. A 1,000 years is like a day. The church age will be 2,000 years. And I've got to tell you, we're coming to the end of it. Right? Of course we know the season. If Jesus came out of the grave in A.D. 32 or A.D. 33, and it's 2024 tomorrow, that means by 2032, 33, The tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period is over. In the last, notice it says plural, days, too. Now, the last days started when Jesus came out. But now we're in the final days, the end of days. We're at the end of the last days. Look at at what it said was going to happen. Perilous times shall come. This word perilous means dangerous Difficult and strength reducing days are going to come. Now, for us in 2024, these perilous days are here. They're dangerous, they're difficult, and they're designed to reduce your strength. Satan is working behind the scenes to reduce your strength as a Christian, but he can't if you choose to be continuously, be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. So it will be a non-issue for you. Dangerous? No, no. The angel of the Lord encamps around. He's my protector. Difficult? Oh, no, 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 no. No, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He anoints my head with oil so I always have more than enough. Right? Strength reducing? No, I'm, I'm not strong in myself. I've learned. I'm, I'm. My life is tucked away with Christ in God. I'm one with him. I'm continuously strengthened inwardly by him. He is the vine. I'm the branch, right? He's an unlimited vine, so I have unlimited strength. See, verse. let's look at verse 2. Why perilous times? For men will be lovers of their own selves. They will be self-centered and selfish. What is that? That is the very nature of Satan. Right? We are living in unprecedented self-centeredness. And we got to be real careful because all of society will literally tell you how special you are. And you this and you that to where your whole life will all be about you and you will miss eternal life because with God, it's not about you. And that's real life, right? Men shall be lovers of their own selves. They'll be covetous. They'll be boasters, proud, disobedient to parents. They will be unthankful, unholy. Now, now, before we go on, you gotta know You see as we go into this, this is not just talking about people that don't know God. This is talking about people who are in the church. Right? Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. That means they're hard-hearted towards others. Right? Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent. What does that mean? They have no self-control. Right? Fierce, that means savage, and here, look, this is what I want you to see. They will be despisers of those that are good. Well, who's at the top of that list? God. The world despises God. There's a whole agenda out there. It's been started ever since the fall of man to take over control of humanity, total control, and then get a God out of it right? Nothing new. We're just living at the end of it. That's why it's, right? Satan's going to use technology and use everything he possibly can. And the thing is, you got to know the gates of hell will never prevail against us as the church. It says here, traitors, high-minded, high-minded. Have you ever, have you ever dealt with that? Yes, you have. All of us have. It means you're a person who relies on your own intellect. I got this. I can do this right? Why would we rely on our own intellect when we've been created to rely on his intellect? He knows more than us, right? Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. See, in our day, people are going to despise those that are good. Guess who's, after God, guess who's next on the list? You and I, right? So now, let's jump over real quick. I got a couple minutes left here. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 5. Yeah, I'm going I'm to go here. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, real quick. Hallelujah. It says here in verse 11 of chapter 5 of Hebrews, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, "...seeing you are dull." That, that word literally in the Greek means lazy or sluggish. Dull of hearing. In other words, this person that they're talking about, they won't receive anything. "...for when for a time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat." Everyone who uses milk is unskillful. That this word unskillful means it is with, you're without experience. You're not a doer of the word. Okay. In other words, if you're not doing the word, you're drinking milk. But if you do the word, it will turn into meat and you'll grow up. So in other words, if you today are not doing the word, then I got to say baby. Baby's going to cry right? Babies, you got to have your diaper changed, pull that pacifier out of your mouth. I don't care if you've been, if you're 80 years old, you've been a Christian since you were five, baby, if you're not a doer, right? So this is in the word of righteousness where he's a babe, but he says here, but strong meat, this means firm and immovable meat belongs to them that are of full age, them that are fully developed, complete and wanting in nothing, even though who by reason those who by reason of use, they're a doer of the word, have their senses exercised to discern or to see and know both good and evil. In other words, to know good and evil, you can't be a person that's moved by your emotions. You have to be a doer of the word. Okay? This is this is so, so very important. I'm going to close with this, Psalm 118. Let's look at this real. Let's close on a good note. Psalm 118, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good because his mercy endureth forever. Look at verse 5. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. That in the Hebrew means he set me in a place of freedom. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. See, God is good because his mercy endures forever. God is good. He is on my side. God is good now in this life today. He wants to turn everything around for you. People will run to God once they see that he's good, right? Many stay away from God because they think he's evil, right? Many believe that God teaches people through sickness, disease, and all these things, hard circumstances, but nowhere in the Bible does God call sickness good. Nowhere in the Bible is sickness ever used for good. Nowhere in the Bible does it say sickness is from God Nowhere in the Bible does it say sickness is God's will, is God's purpose. Nowhere. God doesn't use something he made us free from. God never uses anything that he made us free from to teach us. He does, do, you, do you understand that? You've been freed from poverty and lack. He will never use poverty and lack to teach you. Right? You can disobey God. You could choose to keep what he says is his, the tithe. You could choose never to give an offering. You can do all that. Guess what? He's not going to be mad at you. You're just not going to be able to lay hold of much. Right? Now, if there's some gifts in you and you, you just happen to have the capacity to make more money in this earth system, you will think you're okay but you'll miss everything, right? Jesus never used sickness. He never used disease. He never used Satan's works to teach anyone. And Jesus is the perfect example of the Bible, or I'm sorry, of the Father. Many believe that God destroys through acts of God, right? Tornadoes, hurricanes, forest fires, earthquakes. No, that is a result of the fall, Satan's taken towns out. I don't care if a prophet stands up and says, hey, this, you know, this, this city was destroyed by a tornado or a hurricane because God was judging them. No, no, that's coming, but God's not judging anybody right now. Okay? That's Satan. That's just a result of an unfallen world. Many believe that God allows these things, but we got to realize God will allow what we allow. He has to. Many believe, believers will think that these things happen because they're prophetic. And the only reason why they believe that is because they've got blind spots and they're not rightly dividing the word of God. And so, so many times this wonderful prophetic ministry takes a massive hit because it's flaky. There's nothing you could lay your hands on. People are prophesying things that are not coming to pass, and, and, and what happens with many people is they'll throw out the prophetic, which you better not do that, because the prophetic is real. Right. But you got to be, in order for you to really walk in this, this is the more sure word of prophecy. If you don't have a handle on this, you better be real careful when somebody says to you, thus saith the Lord. Because right. here's the thing, modern day prophets, they're human. They can miss it. That's why we don't stone them. Get in the word of God. You will know because you'll start to be able to discern. What are we talking about? Have you changed? Are you getting all political on me? No, no, no. We're talking about you must know good from evil. God's word will teach you if you'll take it and be a doer of it. Amen?